Our second reading continues in the book of Exodus, chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. The Lord said to Moses, Dedicate to me all your oldest children. Each first offspring from any Israelite womb belongs to me, whether human or animal. Moses said to the people, Remember this day, which is the day that you came out of Egypt. Out of the place you were slaves, because the Lord acted with power to bring you out of there. No leavened bread may be eaten. Today, in the month of Abib, you are going to leave. The Lord will bring you to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. It is the land that the Lord promised your ancestors to give you. A land full of milk and honey. You should perform this ritual in this month. You must eat unleavened bread for seven days. The seventh day is a festival to the Lord. Only unleavened bread should be eaten for seven days. No leavened bread and no yeast shall be seen among you in the whole country. You should explain to your child on that day, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we have come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our Rock, our Redeemer. Amen. Friends, I declare it officially fall. And it's officially fall for two reasons. Two of my favorite things are back. Football is on TV. And pumpkin spice is in the air. And in the stores and in Starbucks and everywhere you go, there is pumpkin spice. And you might not know, but I love pumpkin spice. It's probably my favorite flavor combination. I love fall flavors in general, but there is nothing pumpkin spice that I wouldn't try. I take that back. Last year I saw pumpkin spice sausages and that was a bridge too far. But I've tried pumpkin salsa, pumpkin beer, pumpkin wine, pumpkin cheesecake, pumpkin ice cream, pumpkin Twinkies, pumpkin English muffins, pumpkin Cheerios, pumpkin granola. I mean, you name it, and I will give it a try. I love pumpkin spice. And that flavor always reminds me of the fall. And I think it's interesting how food for us often ties to certain memories in certain times. So it's no surprise that God uses food and meals to help us to remember what God has done. Last week we ended by talking about Joseph and him being in power in Egypt and bringing his brothers into the fold and forgiving them. This week we jump from the book of Genesis to the book of Exodus and it's a far different picture. If you read the backstory that's printed in the bulletin, it tells you that Joseph was uh, popular with a pharaoh, but then that pharaoh died and another pharaoh took his place. And this pharaoh, this king, did not know Joseph and did not have favor for him. 
So he enslaved him and his brothers and his descendants. And the Israelites found themselves in bondage. They found themselves enslaved. And the Egyptians did all sorts of terrible things to them. They beat them. They forced them to work long hours. And when they started to grow in population, the Pharaoh was so threatened that he declared that the firstborn should be killed to keep the population down. But God saw all this. We have no idea. The scripture doesn't tell us how long passed from Joseph to Moses. Historians think it might have been a hundred years, two, three, four generations, but we really don't know. But God saw that God's people were enslaved, that they were suffering, that they were hurting. So God decided to set them free. And God called to Moses and told him that he was going to go to Pharaoh. And he was to declare to Pharaoh, set the Israelites free. Set God's people free. God said that Pharaoh's heart would be hardened, but he would eventually relent. So Moses did just that. Moses went to Pharaoh and said, set my people free. And Pharaoh said, no. These are my slaves. They run our economy. We produce so much because of them. Why am I going to set them free? So God sent plague after plague upon the Egyptians. God turned water into blood. God made frogs everywhere. God sent locusts. God sent uh, gnats or, or lice. God made all the livestock diseased. And the final plague was one that matched the atrocities of what the Egyptians did to the Israelites. God declared that the firstborn throughout Egypt would be killed. God told the Israelites that they should go and they should get a a goat or a lamb and they should slaughter it and cook it in a certain way and they should mark the post of their door with the blood. And that night, either God or one of God's messengers or angels, depending on which account you read, would pass through Egypt and kill the firstborn. But if they saw the blood on that doorpost, they would know to pass over that house. I always found that interesting, the requirement of the blood on the doorpost, because God is all-knowing. God knew which households contained Egyptians. God knew which households contained Israelites. So why did God need this marker to know to pass that house by? And I think very simply, God was inviting the Israelites to participate in the story. God was making the story so it wasn't just God's actions, but the Israelites' actions as well. And so the Israelites did. They slaughtered the lamb. They cooked it over fire. They ate the parts they were supposed to eat. They marked the doorposts. And Pharaoh relented and let them escape Egypt. Later, God declared to Moses that there should be a feast of unleavened bread to remember this occurrence. Unleavened because the meal happened so fast and the Egyptians had to be ready to flee that they could not put yeast in the bread. They did not have time to let the bread rise. That's what unleavened bread is. Unleavened bread is flat bread that has no yeast. It hasn't had time 
to rise. And so they were to have this feast every year from generation to generation. Switching gears for a second, today is World Communion Sunday. Today is the day that most churches throughout this world celebrate communion. Most churches celebrate communion anyway, either on a weekly basis, a monthly basis, a quarterly basis. Some churches might only do it on a yearly basis. I've never encountered one. But on today, most churches make a conscious decision to celebrate communion together on the first Sunday in October. And they do it to recognize that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. That we are part of the body of Christ and that encompasses the entire world. We do it to remember that God so loved the world that God gave His only Son. Now if we look at communion and Passover and where they intersect, the obvious connection is that the original Last Supper took place during Passover. During a Passover meal. But there are many more connections when we look deeper. We see that at both meals, nobody goes hungry. That the Lord made provisions in Passover. He said, if your house is too small for a lamb or a goat, then get together with a neighbor and that way everyone eats. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, to the rich and the powerful, that they shouldn't get to the meal first and eat all the food, but should wait for those people who have to work, who can't afford food to get there so that everybody could have their fill. And we see that everyone is invited to eat and everybody is invited to share in God's grace. But more than that, we see that in both meals, we're commanded to remember what God has done for us. During the Passover meal, we remember that we were enslaved in Egypt and God acted and called us and set us free. When we celebrate communion, we remember the Last Supper when Christ broke the bread saying, this is my body broken for you. And remember Christ's sacrifice for us so that we may be free from the wages of sin. So both meals represent a freeing, freeing from the bondage of slavery or freeing from the bondage of sin. And in both meals, we remember what God has done for us. But if we left it there, I don't think that goes deep enough. This week in preparation for this, I was looking at the special liturgy that goes along with a Seder meal, how the Jewish people remember Passover. And I was struck by something. It is all present tense. It isn't God did this for us, it's God does this for us. Why do we eat the bitter herbs? We eat the bitter herbs because of our bitter tears that we cry while we're in bondage. And as I reflected on that, I realized that when we gather around the table, I don't lift up the loaf and say, this was the body of Christ broken for you. I say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. This is the cup of the new covenant poured out in Christ's blood for the forgiveness of sins. 
When we celebrate these meals, we don't do it to remember what God has done for us in the past. We do it to remember what God is doing for us today. This day. This moment. We celebrate communion in remembrance of me. We celebrate Passover to remember what God has done for us, but we do it to remember what God is doing for us. That God continues to free us from whatever might be enslaving us. That God continues to free us from the wages of sin and its consequences. We do it to remember that God is an active participant in our life. When we gather around the table, especially today on World Communion Sunday, we aren't just remembering what Christ and God has done in the past. We're remembering what God has done in this moment. We're remembering that God is setting us free today. That God is freeing from that which holds us down, which that which enslaves us, that which has us in bondage. We're remembering that God on this day frees us from sin. That we're forgiven. That all our mistakes, our hurtful actions, whatever we may have done in the past purposefully or accidentally, is forgiven. We gather around this table to acknowledge that God's grace, God's forgiveness, and God's actions are not something in the past, but that today it's something happening all around this world. Happening on every continent, in every country, every state, every county, every city, every church. That God forgives you, That God frees you. That God forgives me. And God frees me. We gather in remembrance of Christ. We gather in remembrance of what God has done and what God continues to do.